Hey, hey, all you Arizona lovers, this is the Finding Arizona podcast, episode number 242. I am your host, Jose. Thank you so much for listening. Today's guest is coming to us from Scottsdale, Arizona. His name is Chris. He is the owner of Main Attraction Salon, and I'm very excited to get to know him a little bit better. But on top of that, I'm very excited to get to know Main Attraction a little bit more. It is a stable out in the community. It has been there for, I think, a couple of decades now, but it was very great to know Chris and get to understand the story that came to be that is main attraction. So there's a lot of things going on since the end of COVID-19 or since the end of lockdown. There's a lot of new changes going around. So we want to be the calluses that helps you understand some of the new rules, what's going on, what's opening up and how they're opening up. And this is one of those points. I'm very excited. So let's get into a little bit of a business side before you hear the episode. You can hear every episode of Finding Arizona podcast at our website, www www.findingarizonapodcast.com. We make it easy for you guys to connect with us. I promise you, everything is under Finding Arizona Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want to tell us who should be next, let us know. We're totally open to it. We're an open door policy. If you have friends or if you have family that have a business, please let us know because we want to be there for everyone. On top of which, we do have a way for you guys to let us know about things going on in the community. If you'd like to send us an invite or just want us to let shout it out and let people know send us an email over at finding arizona podcast at gmail.com and last but not least there's a way for you guys to become a super fan that is patreon.com slash finding arizona podcast there you'll be hooked up with a tier that you sign up for and you help us out in and then we will give you back in return a lot a lot a lot of bonus content so i hope that you guys enjoy it and it is for us to share that with you and to make sure that you guys are becoming just as much of a super fan of these people as we are. So that is the end of our community cork or at the end of our um, intro. We're going to go into our community cork board. The one part of the intro that I'm very excited about because it's not just about me. It's about all of you going uh, all of you and what you're doing on in the community. And so first up is the Arizona Unity March um, and it is for Black Lives Matter and it is taking place today from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. at the Phoenix Civic Plaza Space Play Ah, Civic Space Park. I always get that wrong because there's so many words that are just uh, uh, alliteration from one another. And so go down to the, if you would like to be part of that March, go down to that uh, Phoenix Civic Space Park, which is, I believe it's 2nd Street and um, Roosevelt. <clears throat> and there you will be with everyone else you guys will be uh, civilians and you guys will be marching in peace against police violence and that'll be t again today at 5 p.m to 7 p.m and it's june 13th so the next one is the kfaz monthly meeting and this is a monthly meeting that is held every second or mid saturday of the month and uh, i hope that you guys Hopefully this is a um, network that gets together and you guys just work together on helping one another. And I wanted to shout this out. So now, now the last shout out will be the Gold Mascal Monday tasting. And that is taking place over at 12 West Brewing in downtown Mesa 
on Monday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. And those are our dear friends over at Mascal Carreño. Uh, we are very excited for them to share us this brand, uh, this tasting, and I wish them luck. Uh, they are fantastic. Uh, as always, Abel, shout out to you, buddy. And so that is the end of our community cork board. I hope that you guys are all staying safe. I hope that you guys are all being as safe as you can with your family members. Um, there's a lot of new changes going on, so I hope that you guys are paying attention to every bit of the safety procedures that go along with it, wearing a face mask, staying socially distanced, and all that jazz. Because I want to see you guys have fun, but I also want to see you tomorrow and the next day after that, and that means staying safe. So with this, we say goodbye to all of you and goodbye from this intro, but we say hello to Chris and to hello to uh, Main Attraction on this episode 242 of Fighting Arizona Podcast. See you on the next one. What is it you do and why do you do it? Here at Finding Arizona Podcast, we love to showcase that. And so do our friends at Every Impression Counts. They offer free strategy consultations so you can envision the possibilities for your business or idea, such as websites, social media management, paid advertising like the top of Google, along with advertising on Facebook, Instagram, Snap, video production, photography, podcasting, SEO, blogging, analytics, and so much more. In today's world, it's never been so cost-effective to produce and distribute content with the tools that you have at your disposal. If you've ever thought, what if, just have a combo with my friends at Every Impression Counts. You can find them at eic.agency or check out what they're up to by following them on Instagram and Facebook at Every Impression Counts and tell them Finding Arizona Podcast sent you. One, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Finding Arizona podcast. I am your host, Jose. As always, we bring in someone special every week. So today is no different. I want to say thank you to both uh, this gentleman and his wife for allowing us to come help them out and, you know, shout them out. So ladies and gentlemen, the owner of Main Attraction Salon, uh, Chris, and let me say your last name. Is it Nudson? Am I saying that right without the K? No, the, the K-U-U's, it's Knudsen. Knudsen, sorry about that. So, yes. No problem. <laughs> Please welcome Chris. My kids at the, <laughs> my, thank you. Yeah, my kids at school always have a hard time with that. It's a parent pickup because uh, the, the teachers never do it right. So they always come uh, in into the car, always, always frustrated. But uh, it's all good. <laughs> I try my best, too, because I know sometimes it can be a, a silent K or not. And I, I never know in these instances. So I want to double check and clarify for everything. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's um, something that it happens all the time. So absolutely. So I'm going to ask you the same thing that I usually ask everybody that comes in through our doors is, can you give us a little bit of a life update? Are you, are you, uh, are you quarantining? Well, how's the family? How's everything been the last couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, thanks for checking in. Yeah, we've been definitely following all the, the local stay at home orders. Um, besides the, the random grocery store visit and the, and the Lowe's visit. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we're, we are staying really safe and I'm you know, kind of happy to report that everybody in my immediate circle is, is very healthy and, um, you know, staying, staying that way. And Good. we actually start up, um, business tomorrow. So this last week has okay. probably been a little disruptive to my normal stay at home order. Cause we've had to come into the salon and, you know, do some prep work, but yeah. so far so good. 
Okay, good to hear. Good to hear. So there's a lot of things that we can kind of go into just from your last statement of we can kind of flow down through and and our conversation. But I want to kind of steer the direction into just kind of giving us an overall, um, how did you come to be with your business and kind of your origin story of how you, um, you know, came to make this business come to life? Good question. Um, so I think, as you know, my wife and I happen to be the third generation husband and wife owners of Main Attraction Salon okay. in Phoenix. It was actually established uh, by the original owners, uh, Marino and Dolly Morelli, mm -hmm. and uh, in 1977. So wow. we're 42 years. Yeah, I know we're 42 years young as a company. And uh, in 1998, um, the, the pre most previous owners, Kendall and Beata Ong, um, had purchased the business um, as a couple from mm -hmm. Marino and Dolly and took the transition over. And then um, just this year, actually, my wife and I fully transitioned into 100% ownership as the company. That's really beautiful. So, I know. It's, it's a little interesting. And maybe another angle of that, that story is that I... I happen to be a third generation stylist myself. So oh, wow. yeah, kind of how I got into hair is um, I, 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 just by watching, I think my family. So, I mean, growing up around it, you know, my grandparents were hairdressers. My dad's an immigrant from Norway. Okay. And he came over here in 1962 when he was 24 years old. Mm. Um, but he grew up around the hair industry too. So his father, so my grandpa, mm -hmm. actually owned a barber shop in Oslo. And the king of Norway was one of their clients. So oh, wow. my dad, I know. So my dad used to tell me stories of him going... You know, I don't know how much truth there is, but, you know, the up the hill in snow and, yeah. you know, down like two miles. And, you know, to be honest, I think his, you know, his version of that's probably pretty close to accurate. It's not fabricated <laughs> like our stories are. Yeah. And, um, you know, he would show up at the barbershop and and literally to make the building warm, he would start a fire. Mm. And, um, you know, he would clean and prep all the tools and, you know, they would all be in, you know, shirts and ties and just looking super proper as barbers did. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was the upbringing that he did. So at 13, you know, his grandpa or my grandpa sat him down and said, Hey, you have to make a life decision on what you're going to do. I mean, nowadays we wait until we're like 40 to decide what we're going <laughs> to do for all our lives. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he went into the family business then. And uh, from 13 to 17, you know, he he worked as an apprentice at the barbershop underneath my grandfather. Mm. And then he got drafted in, in the Norwegian military. And then he got out and started working for some other companies and was an artistic director for Estee Lauder, which is wow. a pretty big company in Paris. And he brought that company brought um, him over to the United States and he started working for a company called Breck. Huh. So. Yeah, so he he was on the Today Show and he did That's um, so you know, insane. All the press junkets and so that was my dad. So, and then he met my mother, interestingly enough, uh, at a hair competition. So my mom was the first woman in history to win a national and international haircutting competition in the same year with two different models. So she was a wow. decorated hairstylist too. And so my dad was the judge at a hair competition that my mom won first place at. So that's, I mean, that was an easy in, I think, for him. So oh, yeah. he said, you know, I voted for you. We should date. So, you know, and they got married and then they opened up 
um, a hair salon in Wisconsin, which is where I grew up. Yeah. And uh, it was big, you know, at the time it had 60 stylists and it was a large salon group. And then he also owned uh, distribution rights for the Aveda Corporation in Wisconsin, Illinois. So he distributed products and then he also opened retail centers and then he opened beauty schools. So they were serial entrepreneurs and the American dream, essentially, from what it sounds like. Yeah. So they did, they did well. And, uh, that was the environment that I grew up in. So I, you know, I traveled around the world as a kid and I went to hair shows and, um, maybe a, a, a great side story to share with the, the audience is that when I was five, we were in Brussels and my brother, I have one older brother. We're both huh? adopted, but we, um, we were there with my folks and they were actually hosting a big hair show there and their team were putting it on and, they decided to do something different and they were and the whole pitch of the show was to to do um the, you know the youth and what is the next yeah. generation of hairdressers so they actually had my brother and I doing hair at 5 and 7 on on stage <laughs> that's really cool that's so awesome that you guys so, were in that kind of uh that family dynamic of like we, we I think it's in our genes to be <laughs> these stylists yeah so but I think you know to be honest growing up around that you know, made me appreciate what they did Mm -hmm. for a living. And I saw the value in it. And I definitely saw the business side of it. Sure. Um, But I never considered myself to be a hairdresser. And part of it, I think, as a young adult was ego. And I didn't want to live in their shadow. And I didn't want, you know, I didn't really want doors to be open for me just because of who my folks were. So Mm -hmm. I, to be honest, I, I didn't hide it, but I didn't talk about it much. And I went to college thinking that I was never going to do hair. <laughs> I always told my parents that I'd rather learn than do a perm. And uh, so I, <laughs> I got a college education. I got a, you know, bachelor's degree from the University of San Diego yeah. um, in marketing and management. And I graduated college, and I was working in corporate America. And on paper, I was doing what I was trained to do. You know, I was a manager at a marketing company, so I I thought that was the dream, and I hated it. Um, I just absolutely could not see myself doing it, and I had a, a quarter life crisis. You know, in my late twenties, mm-hmm. I decided to, you know, have a real heart to heart with myself and just really think about what I wanted to do for a living. And um, after a lot of soul searching and a few other career choices, I I landed back onto doing hair. Mm-hmm. So, and I think as an my vision back then was to be an owner, but I really didn't, you know, I really didn't want to do it just by going to a bank, getting a loan and buying a salon. Cause I yeah. knew a lot about the back end of the business, but I didn't know what the front line was like. I didn't know what it was like to stand on my feet for 12 hours and, you know, to deal with, um, you know, the customer engagement side or all of that. And how to do a proper consultation and walk them somebody through like their vision of themselves and, you know, how we could give our objective opinion, you know, because those are really sensitive lines that we walk through as, as hairdressers sometimes. So I, I knew in order to be a good leader, I needed to do the process myself. So I I started from scratch. I actually went to beauty school um, reluctantly, but I did it. And um, and then I was looking for a salon that was really good at education Mm -hmm. because I, I was horrible at doing hair in the beginning. Uh, I really was. I mean, I was, and I think people had this like preconceived notion that I was going to be this like prodigy or guru 
because of my my family history that I grew up holding like a golden comb in my hand and I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um I was just terrible. I had no idea what I was doing and these girls were just working circles around me. And um so I I had to work almost twice as hard just to get up to like a general level where they were at. And so I wanted to work for an education-based company and mm-hmm. Kendall the previous owner, you know when I interviewed with them that was it for me. I wanted to work for a company that was run like a business to weather storms because I knew that they would come economically. And I also wanted to work for a company that would hold my hand and really show me what it was like to be a hairdresser. And I, I couldn't be more proud to have worked underneath their leadership. And then for about a four year period, I became business partners and we were actually shared the torch together. Mm-hmm. And then last year we, we took it over completely and, and now we're kind of at the helm. And yeah, so that's a little bit of, you know, kind of my backstory and kind of what got me to where we're at today. Yeah, that's really great. And, you know, there's a lot to pull out of there. I think one of the first things I want to ask you is early on when you were watching your grandfather and your father, was there any inclination of like, you know, it's it's pretty interesting because, you know, from what my experience or what my knowledge tells me is like when it comes to the certain like, you know, when it comes to the area of being a barber or hairstylist, they were like, a, again, they're like on the front lines. They had, you know, at one point, you know, you went to the barber for medical treatment and things like that. And so I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious, was there was there any honing of the skills that you saw from when you were a kid growing up? Was there anything like that that kind of intrigued you into wanting to want to become a stylist? Or was there anything that kind of stood out to you when you first like in that first um, building? Was there anything that you kind of remember iconically in that building? Well, I mean, the first building that I remember was my my parents salon in in, in Milwaukee. Uh, Sadly, I never met my grandfather. Uh, My dad's 82. And I'm in my late 30s. Got it. So my dad adopted my brother and I when he was in his late 40s. And, okay. you know, my my grandfather had been passed by then. Um, so, so, yeah, I wasn't able to be a part of that other than just through fork, folklores and, you know, stories mm-hmm. he told. For sure. But I think the, the thing that really resonated or sat with me and probably what boomeranged me back to the industry was more I never, ever heard my parents complain about what they did for a living. That was cool. just never a dinner to conversations. They were just always so excited yeah. about going to work and creating companies where people were able to make people look and feel better. And um, I mean, they just knew inherently that, you know, they were doing what what their purpose was. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that's why I and growing up, maybe I I didn't think that was my purpose. Um and I, I tried to do other things and I realized that, you know, I didn't want to just be at a number at a company. I wanted to have a skill set that nobody could take away from me and that I could mm-hmm. uproot my family and go anywhere and make a living. I mean, I could do hair in Australia. I could do hair in Asia. I, I literally anywhere in the world, there's people that have that kind of need. So that intrigued me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just from a business, you know, my parents always told me that it's not, you're never going to have a, like a boom or a crazy bust year. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's more up and down slowly. It's yeah. not like these dot palms where you, you know, the whole world will blow up in your face. And this might be a good example of that where, 
you know, in this global pandemic that we're living in, you know, we just opened our doors, you know, as of tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I think the community is speaking loud and clear that they are ready to get their hair done. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, although we've limited stylists and who we're going to able to bring in this week, people are just pumped about it. So That's good you know, to, to me, I'm, uh, yeah. So I'm, I think that's what I grew up like hearing. Um, okay, that's. I mean, I get that part, and like that, that makes so much sense to um, someone who's just kind of getting into uh, understanding or at least knowing you a little bit better. I'm kind of curious too. Was the was the intention of the building that you you got the actual like storefront? Was it intention to pass it down to couples, or was that kind of just kind of happenstance? No, I think that just happened. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was, you know, but it gets me to think about what my, you know, transition strategy looks like, you know, at, at the very beginning, I mean, today I'm not focused on how I'm going to retire and, no, you know, what the, yeah. the legacy is going to look like, but it does get me to think about, yeah, kind of who's on the ship and, mm -hmm. you know, what that might look like. Um, but no, it was I think a total accident, to be honest. <laughs> no, so. it's all, in all honesty. I mean, I was ex kind of expecting the uh, it being an accident, but it would have been nice to kind of like it's pretty in interesting that like the past three owners have been couples and married, or, you know, married couples and things like that. So, um, I, I, you know, if it's just an accident, then that's totally fine too. But here's uh, here's another thing you had brought up is, you know, the transition that you guys are going into when you guys first open up. What can people expect from your company and what new things can uh, you guys tell us that you're going to be emplacing or implementing with your business? Good question. Um, I, I'd maybe like to just set some context there, though, because sure. I, as a hairdresser, you know, we deal with infectious diseases on a regular basis before all this happened. Okay. So, I mean, I think our environment pre-COVID was immensely sterile mm -hmm. and we took hygiene and how we dealt with clients and cleaning our utensils and preparing for our next visit very seriously mm -hmm. because, I mean, just the transmission of that, you know, is not something we take lightly. And I mean, from an Arizona State Board of Cosmetology regulations, we had to. I mean, we yeah. you know, had a member of that organization. I mean, what they do is they just spot check saline, salons. And if you don't pass their inspection, it's like a restaurant. You get fined. And if you keep not passing inspections, they close you down. Mm. So and we had to live up to a pretty high standard pre-COVID. Now, I tell you, post-COVID is that on steroids. Oh, I imagine. Um, um, so... I mean, we've really heightened just our high touch area cleaning. We've had to ramp up just simple stuff like cleaning supplies. Mm -hmm. um, and we did that from the get go. Like as soon as we closed, I started buying as much as I could get my hands on uh, things that we needed for disinfecting, cleaning and all of that, because I didn't want you know, our switch to be turned back on and then us not be ready. Yeah, because as we were shutting down in the end of March, I mean, I was telling customers and staff and people that would ask me like, hey, look, we might not be able to stay open because I don't have access to basic needs like mm -hmm. toilet paper and paper towel and barbicide and things yeah. that we need. Can so, I ask like, you, can I ask you what that conversation or what those 
I mean, what was the very first conversation like, you know, who was it with? What were you kind of worried about? And then as the weeks kind of progress, you know, how tough were those conversations to have, especially with your employees? I imagine, uh, you know, what what about it? Like, what could you give us advice as far as like if you're a business owner, how did you take this and what you know, what did you do to help ease or curb the pain of you know shutting down? Um, wow. Um, good question. I mean, I think that we just really cared for our team's health and safety. I mean, as, you know, as the news media exploded with this and we got, you know, more and more inundation with the the science behind it and the facts behind it and the case numbers behind it, you know, I think it was evident as we started shutting down our community that, you know, we needed to be right in line. And I think if we needed to stop the spread, we all needed to be in on it. So I think we just rallied together as a group and just said, Hey, if, if we're going to come out of this on the back end, we all need to shut down now. Mm-hmm. And, um, we all need to self quarantine and get on with the advice that, you know, has been given. And I think we were rallying, we closed before a week, a week before we were supposed to, okay. um, or had to. And I think that was because of the health and safety of the community. Mm-hmm. And I think those first couple of conversations was probably more internal. It was between, you know, my business partners and, you know, at the time and, you know, what was going on. And so, yeah, that we would just talked heavily about you know, how we were going to do it and when we were going to do it. And our, is our team prepared and what's our advice to them? Mm-hmm. I mean, should we be recommending that they get furloughed and go on unemployment and, I mean, we talked to our accountant, HR attorneys, our bankers. We yeah. talked to, and we spent about a week trying to digest a game plan for our team before we shut our doors. Yeah. So that good. way, on the way out, we could tell people, this is what to expect from us. Mm-hmm. This is what you should go and do. You're furloughed, but we're going to still cover all of your health insurance premiums through this time. So we had a certain number of things that we were going to do to support our team. And then we kind of told people what they needed to do. Yeah. And then we immediately applied for the PPP loan and we got funded for it in the first round. So awesome. within within two and a half weeks of shutting down, we were actually to bring, able to bring all of our team back on payroll, um, which has been really solid for our team. And I, I think they've just been really excited now that we can reopen. So, yeah. Was there at any point, um, you know, was there something that you were struggling with, you know, having to let go of or streamline at for your business that you were having some difficulties doing so? Or was it just kind of easy for you to streamline and let go of certain things and, and, and really um, just kind of follow the rules, so to speak, just easily to like transition that way? Or, what? you know, was there anything that was so difficult that you were like, oh, man, I don't want to do this? Um. No, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't anything that was just overwhelming. Um, I mean, it, as a business owner who looks after, you know, 30 employed people mm-hmm. and takes care of, you know, 1200 clients a month. Um, yeah, I think that's what I was worried about is sure, just yeah. their livelihood. And I, I'm more worried about how we are going to take care of our team and who is going to be set up and, um, yeah. You know, we started a group chat, you know, with our group um, and we just started reaching out to everybody saying, hey, if you guys are in a position where you can't buy groceries, we're all going to pitch in. If anybody's in a position where they don't have toilet paper, we're all going to pitch in. That's really great. And um, we had just this 
I had this kind of synergy together that we're in it, you know, in the same bunker together. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to weather this storm until we can start to climb out. And actually coming back to work right now is voluntary for all of my team. Uh, oh, when I called them all on Tuesday, nobody's expected to be at work unless you want to and can yeah. and obviously are healthy. So we're and we had an overwhelming amount of our group say, I want in now. Um <laughs> There were, I think, two of our, our team that said, I, I want to wait until the end of the month um, due to some personal like health stuff that's going on. And For sure. I said, great, that's not going to jeopardize your ability to come back with us. And, you know, that's not going to be held against you. Mm-hmm. We're still going to be able to pay you during that time. Um, but I think a lot of our group, just because they work behind the chair and they have clients that now can go into a salon, it's this like call to duty that I think we all have Yeah. that like we want to come in and service our clients underneath these like new heightened orders. So I don't think I answered your question earlier about what it is that we're doing now. I mean, if you don't mind, let me maybe yeah, give go for it. A, a couple of bullet points of things that are different. I mean, so before all this happened, you know, when your appointment it was on and you had a nine o'clock appointment, you just parked your car, showed up, came in, you know, we checked you in, you kind of browsed around our retail area. We got you drinks if you wanted to, gave you a magazine if you wanted to, you know, if we were running five, 10 minutes late, you know, our customers were happy, go lucky, just waiting up front just until we were ready. Yeah. I mean, I think long has gone that time. And now when a customer arrives, they, we're going to ask them to wait in their car until we're ready. Uh, just because we can't have people congregating in the front of our business. Yeah. Um, and so when when we're ready, we'll call them back, say, great, we'll invite you in. Um, you know, we have changing rooms in our salon for customers that got color service. And that might be an obvious one. We're not allowing that. I don't want your T-shirt, you know, resting up against somebody else's <laughs> blouse while, you know, you're getting your hair done. So our changing rooms are are not open to the public right now. I mean, we are giving people gowns when they walk in that are clean, sterilized. I mean, immediately when you walk in, you're going to get sanitized, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then because we'll be ready, we'll take you back to your chair and we won't let you come in until the last client has left. Um, And we have 19 fully qualified stylists or we have 19 stylists, 17 of them work full time. Two of them are part time right now. And we have 17 chairs. So when we on a busy Saturday, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd service 130 appointments and we'd have 16 people working. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most stylists that we're scheduling on any given day right now is eight. So we're going to run at about 50 percent capacity and we're going to work out of every other chair just to give everybody some a little bit of social distancing between the next client and their stylist. Yeah. I mean, and that was the big debate you know, when this all started is, well, how do you social distance yourself from the person cutting your hair? You know, I, I can social distance me and my client from another stylist and their client, but I, I can't do your hair with like a broom six feet away and try to cut it. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that kind of then begs the question, well, like, what does that relationship look like now? So, I mean, we are requiring all of our team to wear, um, face masks, Mm -hmm. um, it's optional to wear a face shield, but we bought face shields for all of our team. Okay. Um, if you have a heightened, you know, you know, health situation that, that some of our team is going to be doing that. All of our clients also have to wear a face mask. That's um, different. Yeah. Yeah. So 
even things like talking to your hairdresser or your barber during that service might get a little different. Because, yeah. like, you know, before talking to you is no big deal, but like you talking through a mask and then me talking through a mask and maybe a face shield is it's like a workout. So, <laughs> you know, we're encouraging people just to, you know, limit the talking. Um, cause I think this next round of appointments is really just to get people back in the swing of things. It's yeah. maybe not going to be customer service like you were used to. It's a um, little bit more of like a, a soft open, so to speak. Yeah, that would be a good way to put it. And, you know, we're not accepting cash payments, which we used to before. Money's dirty. We don't want to handle it. Sure. Um, yeah. We're doing chairside checkouts, which, you know, we had a checkout, you know, counter before. We're going to do that all at, this, at the chair. Mm-hmm. And that is more to, you know, prevent congregation up at the front of the salon. And yeah. also, you know, when you're done with your service, you just get to leave. You know, yeah. you don't have to do anything else, which is nice. You don't have to walk up. Um, yeah. And in like in that congregating area, like you said. Exactly. And to be honest, for me, it's just like one less thing to clean. You know, it's, you know, if I just have to invite you into my chair, get you shampooed, and then you sit in the same chair, it's just two things to clean. Yeah. If I, if I let you sit in a chair up front, then your chair to get haircut and then shampooed, then go walk up to the counter. And it's like seven different things now that we have to clean. Yeah. So some of it's just about being efficient. Um, cause we have a major backlog of people that are trying to get in, mm-hmm. you know, we have customers that, um, you know, been waiting a really long time that are still having to wait another week or two because we're just so darn busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, you well, know, especially a, running at limited capacity. Here's another thing that I would like to ask you is that when these, um, let's say a couple of weeks from now are completely lifted, every rule is gone back, you know, are there anything like, the payment at the chairs that you have streamlined that you intend to keep later down the road or think that it's more efficient this way? Is there anything that you hope to keep later? You know, for someone who's such a planner, I would love to tell you, yeah, I have a list of things that we're going to implement forever. Um, but I, if, if the, I've learned one thing in the last six weeks, it's to stay fluid. Mm. I, I don't, I, yeah. and I cannot commit to, anything until we see how it goes. Um, you know, and I think, you know, business as normal is going to be really shifted for most everybody. I even think about the restaurant world. Yeah. They opened up today and some of them, like I saw from the news reports, I'm just like, well, I mean, there's so much that you can do because some of them are buying disposable items and all of these things, but still like you, you don't know whether or not your customers are going to want to come back and like eat from disposable plates and forks and things like that. Like, And there's there's still things, so many things up in the air. One of the other things is I'm curious, you sound like you have kind of seen your fair share of difficulties and understanding of like times, Um, you know, your grand, your grandfather and your father, both, um, you know, business owners. Is there anything like this that you have ever experienced or seen before or can kind of give us a testament of something that you've kind of experience throughout your life that's similar to this? Personally, no. Um, That's okay. I mean, but my, my dad was born in 1938. Mm -hmm. So he and his father, um, they ran their business through the second world war. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I definitely have heard stories of, you know, countries taking over your business and basically dictating how you need to run it. Yeah. Um, there is, you know, CDC guidelines that I have to 
abide by. There's OSHA guidelines that I have to abide by. There's Arizona State Board of Cosmetology guidelines that I have to abide by right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to do so because I think it's the right decision to do. But some of those are coming at a great cost to us, too. Yeah. And we actually have made the decision not to have a surcharge or, you know, a quote unquote COVID charge mm-hmm. um, or even inflate our prices right now. And part of the reason we didn't do that, even though it's more expensive to run our business as normal, is because I think everybody's hurting. And I don't want to pass on that extra expense, you know, at this time to some customers that may have lost their job or are interviewing or doing Zoom calls and need to do that. Um, But I think we have to, like, take a look at the next six weeks and figure out, yeah, what what things should we keep together and Mm -hmm. how this is going to, like, reshape it. But no, I... I don't think I've ever dealt with anything like even. okay, so not buying something that I want to buy. I've never even lived in a world that that's like I I grew up, you know, where if I wanted something from Amazon, I'd order and get it the next day. Yeah. I mean, let alone go to the grocery store and want to buy whatever you want, (laughs) whatever I want. The fact that like I'm having to be limited in personal decisions is an interesting time to live in. Mm -hmm. And I have two children that are 10 and eight that, I mean, they will forever remember. I think we will always remember like where you were like nine 11 is like this marker, right? You always remember where you were. You were always going to remember where you were when your business shut down or during this like six week COVID time. So, I mean, it's going to be a historical thing we're all living through. Yeah. And that's something that I'm, I just barely recognize is that, Um, even for younger kids, you know, that idea of, oh, I was, you know, got to stay home for six weeks with my dad and, or my mom or whoever was home. And, you know, all we did was do schoolwork and like hang out. So yeah, I just, it's going to be interesting to see those kids that grew up in this kind of how they either evolve or take, you know, take it in stride, so to speak. Um, another question I have for you is our podcast is a, a lot to do with, you know, helping advocators uh we just advocate for advocators sort of that's our little line um is there anything that you and your business would like to promote or anything that you guys want to highlight um so that people can know and maybe uh if i'm a client who is new or wants to help you guys out in any way is there cards that we can buy you know gift cards from you we can buy or anything like that we can help you guys out with yeah, I mean, so as a hair salon, we're also, you know, we, we obviously have retail in the business. So mm-hmm. if you, everybody has shampoo, conditioner, hair products in their, in their house. Um, so, I mean, if you needed to restock up on any of that, I mean, you could easily, you know, call and we do like a contactless curbside pickup right now. Okay. So if you, if you wanted to, you could call the salon and say, Hey, I want to get some shampoo and conditioner yeah. or, um, even if you wanted to get a service, you know, I think as we, you know, crawl out of this, you know, crazy hole that we just all lived in. You know, we, we definitely have a little bit of bandwidth as busy as we are to accept some new business. Um, and starting June, we're actually going to be starting to take a a lot of new clients. Uh, we're, we're reserving a lot of the end of May for clients that have been waiting that were on the books already. Mm -hmm. And, um, but if you are interested in, you know, trying our services, you know, you can always call and try to book an appointment too. So yeah, I mean, those would really probably good. be the biggest, biggest ways to help. Um, you know, and the other thing to, to help is don't, don't cut your own hair. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that, that usually is, 
that, that usually is is makes it ten times worse for us. So yeah. if you can just wait, just hold your, up, your, just wait for your licensed professional. That would be great. It's same thing with color. You know, we always joke. You know, that ten dollar box car might that ten dollar box color mm-hmm. might turn into a three hundred dollar color correction. Oh, so yeah. you know, if you can just wait to let us do it, it you know we're trained for a reason. Um, <laughs> so my know, wife. I think tr- my wife is watching. I just wanted to cut in and just really like my wife watched the one of the old episodes of 902 and O, and it was it was one of the episodes where the daughter um, bleaches her hair and mm-hmm. like it didn't turn out. She's a brunette and like wavy brunette hair. And so it was curly. Oh. You know, it was just it was bad. It was so bad. I was like, oh, oh, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I, I agree with you. I was like, I was also going to ask you how many videos or TikToks have you seen where people trying to cut their own bangs and hair? Oh, oh lots. And we actually <laughs> had a, a whole when this first went down, we had a whole like wait for us campaign. Oh, and wow. We were just, <laughs> and we were just doing an entire like, um, just fail reel of people that just did it wrong. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I think it for every trades, you know, people ask me like, what have I been doing with my free time? I first off haven't had a lot cause I've been real busy, but, um, you know, I, so I have done a couple of like home improvement stuff since I've been quarantined yeah. and, you know, I realized that, you know, there are carpenters for a reason and there <laughs> yeah. are, like plumbers for a reason. Like I, like if I've learned one thing, it's to stay in my lane and to not try to do other people's trained jobs for them. Mm-hmm. It's even teachers. Like we've become. I was going to ask you that. How, how bad kids. is it for you for teaching your own kids? Like how or how difficult has the change been? Because I know in certain schools or certain places, they like what you were taught as a youngster was not the same as what they're getting taught now. Oh, yeah, I will 100 percent echo that. It's very different. We knew that, though. So I have a fourth grader. I have a 10 year old daughter and I have a second grader, an eight year old son. And and, even that they're not created the same. You know, my daughter is significantly more independent. You can tell her to get on a Zoom call with her students and her teacher and she'll do that on her own now. (laughs) Awesome. And she'll get off of it and actually go and do the homework that she wanted where my eight-year-old is like trying to hurt a cat where it's a (laughs) lot more difficult to like get him and he's a normal kid like thank god no like you know learning disabilities or anything like that i feel for parents that you know were in the school systems and had extra support for people like that Mm. and then that stripped away from them too um you know, so yeah, we've had to go through a major learning curve and God bless my wife. She has just been, you know, she's a hero to me all the time, but <laughs> I think now like she really showed her true colors and just handling new things that come her way. And yeah. I, she has got like a, like a schedule and a rhythm That's and good. all of that stuff. And, but it's not easy. I, I'd be lying to you if it was roses. I mean, oh, we, yeah are constantly, you know, you know, raising our voices and like, why can't you figure this out on your own? And, you know, I'm just, I so appreciate teachers more than I ever have. Mm. Um, because that's all they did all day long. And, you know, I actually just had a a family meeting with, with both of my kids and and my wife earlier today. And before I came into work as, as I embark into what will arguably be the most important chapter of, you know, probably our business career. And yeah, how busy I'm going to be in the next week and how my wife is going to be at home 
weathering that storm alone where she's had my help here and there for the last couple of weeks. And I, I told them, I said, hey, look, some families have different levels of stress in their life. You know, some families, you know, they got fired from their job and they mm-hmm. can't make a living and they have like a financial burden where, you know, they're having a hard time putting food on your plate and they have a hard time, you know, doing basic necessities and their home might be, you know, up for question whether they can even live there still. Yep. Or they, they might have like health issues or someone's just deathly sick and they're battling that. You know, I told them, I said, the stress that we have, thank God, is that we're just busy. Mm, and we're, we're, yeah. we have so much work to get done right now as we embark into this. And we have not, like 85 appointments on the books tomorrow, which is like a busy December week for us, wow. um, which is amazing. And that's, that's, that's like great. 50, I mean, people want to like come fi- and use you guys. That's really great. Yeah. And that's at like 50 percent capacity. So we're, you know, we're 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 entering this in slowly and caution with caution. But I told my kids, I said, hey, look, you guys have to step up a little bit and you can, like, you need to be really helpful. And when we say, Hey, get off of your iPad or like, have you done your math? I, we just can't handle what we've been dealt with the last couple of weeks with the, Oh, do I have to? And uh, you don't <laughs> yeah. give that kind of headache to your teachers. Like we've put up with it for the last couple of weeks, but you know, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Like this, this is now crunch time. You guys got two weeks left of school. We need to close this out and get back into the normal swing of things. So. Isn't that is doesn't that make you so like it, the timing of everything where it's like they got two weeks left and it's like you're in the fourth quarter. You are going back into the into the court. You're going to be ca- team captain. And now you're supporting staff, all your support, like your family, you know, is at home. It's like. You're in you're in the fourth quarter right now. And this is very important time for everyone to be on the same page. Absolutely. At work and at home, I think, you know, and I I just my heart breaks for, you know, maybe single parents or, Mm -hmm. you know, I have so many friends that, you know, they're quarantined at home, but they're not out of work. I mean, they're working a 40 hour work week. And then the stress that they have is that everybody that was watching their children can't watch them anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. it was grandparents that now have a health issue, or maybe they had a childcare system that was actually closed, or you know yeah. they actually really counted on the school system to give them that bandwidth throughout the day to get the job done, and then they could be parents in the evening. Well, when you now have to wear two hats at the same time and toggle between doing work and walking a second grader through breaking down a math equation. <laughs> I mean, your, your whole life gets really shaken up. Yeah. And, um, I mean, luckily for us, you know, we've both been able to be there and I think we've kind of got our bearings to weather this last two weeks. But again, I, it is not an easy place to live right now when you've got family and multiple jobs and all of that stuff. So, sure. um, I feel yeah, for you, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little interesting for sure, but we're, you know, we have a lot of staff that have unique situations. And I think that's why I made it voluntary to get back to work. And, you know, I, I need them to have, you know, different, you know, maybe solutions for their own personal life to yeah. get to work. The flexibility, so, you know, because I've heard, you know, just from, you know, hearing other people live their lives. I know, you know, at one point the bus stations or the buses, once they reached a certain capacity where they couldn't keep people six feet apart, they just roll right past the bus stop. And if you're there waiting for work and a bus is full, they just roll right past you. 
and they can't do anything about it. And so that's tough. I, I get that part. And, you know, to have the flexibility from your boss to be able to say, OK, I don't have to be there, but, you know, I'm I'm working towards it. I have to find a solution I, that makes all the difference. And kudos to you for seeing that and understanding that. And so I'm going to leave you with one last question because we're reaching towards the end. Is there anything that you do in the morning or in the afternoon, any kind of special like time that you do or something that you kind of repeatedly do to helps you keep sanity in the, you know, keep things in check? You know, is there a morning routine or anything like that? Yeah. Walking. Um, I have, I have three furry animals at the house and, (laughs) um, so they, they're very restless these days and actually they're probably more tired than they've ever been with all of us at home. They're like, what are you still doing? Yeah. What are you guys doing all here? (laughs) I know. So, but no, my wife and I go walking in the morning and, um, at least four, four days a week. And it's really nice to be just out of the house, out in nature, you know, and I think it's like just being with my dogs just gives me a smile and mm-hmm. um, being able just to connect with her. Because I think as a business partner, it's work, 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 work. And then I come home and then we talk about work, work, work. And it's nice to have that time where we just talk about other things. Yeah. And like, how are you doing? And <laughs> what what's going on in your world? And I think that little bit of connection has kept our bond real strong. Good. Um, so that that's one thing that we've been doing. So and a beer here and there doesn't help me. So that might be my even, evening routine. So Awesome. Well, thank you again, Chris. I pre- really do appreciate you coming in and being able to you know, tell us everything that has been going on. Um, I usually kick it to you to let everyone know where they can find you on social media, any other events or something that you want to promote. This is your time. Go right ahead. OK, so. Instagram is Moss Phoenix. So it's M-A-S-P-H-X. All of the abbreviations. Uh, our website is mainattractionsalon.com. And Maine, for all of you listening, is spelt like a hair main, not a main street. So it's M-A-N-E. Yep. Um, that would probably be the best way to kind of find us and, okay. um, and connect with us. You can always DM us on Instagram or, and or Facebook. And then, um, you know, you can always ping us through, uh, email. I mean, my personal email is Chris at mainattractionsalon.com. So if you're a business owner out there and you want to ask me a question, that'd be great. If you're a client and you want to get some more, you know, inquiries about getting an appointment with us, you can always call our salon and you can find all that uh, contact info on our website for hours and how to book online even. Uh, We even have a customized app that you can download from the app store. Nice. If you were to just search uh, Main Attraction Salon, there's actually another one in Pennsylvania. So ours is the white logo. It's pretty easy to identify, but we have had people get that mixed up in the past so that's okay i really again that's really awesome and i appreciate you for letting us know all that information so i'm gonna do my turn and ladies and gentlemen you can hear every episode of our podcast at our website finding arizonapodcast.com make it easy for you guys to connect with us so all of our social media is under finding arizona podcast last but not least if you want to help us and support us you can do so at patreon.com slash finding arizona podcast there you will receive bonus content, extra videos, all of that good stuff. We make it, again, easy for you guys to connect with us. And so with that being said, we say good night to Chris here. Good night to Main Main Attraction Salon. Uh, And thank you again for coming in. Uh, You bet. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
Oh, absolutely. And you have a good night. Bye, y'all. Okay, bye, guys.